Hello and welcome to another edition of Deeper. And it's so good to have you with us. We're doing a little bit of a different setup today rather than doing it over Zoom. We're actually doing it live, trying to stay reasonably socially distant on this. Um, and it's great to have Rob with us. Rob, good to have you with us. Good to be here. Good to be here in person as well. So looking forward to it. Great. So um, we're going to ask you to read the passage that Rob spoke on on Sunday. Uh, if you've not seen it, I would encourage you to watch it on our YouTube channel. Uh, but it was John chapter 1 verses 1 to 9. So why don't you press pause and read John chapter 1 verses 1 to 9 now. Great. So Rob, why don't you just summarise very briefly what you said on Sunday? Well, what were the main points? Main points were really, you've read the passage and the uh, first point was about just uh, making a, an active decision to, to rely on Jesus more this Christmas, to, to rest in his light, in his warmth, and to have the confidence of knowing that he is there for us, which I think we can lose that, that security with all the things that have happened this year. My second point was really from, from the reading, I think the reading made it very clear that every single person on this planet, you know, past and present, owes their life to Jesus Christ. Whether we accept that or not is up to us, you know, it's freedom of choice. But I was asking people just to consider, you know, have they ever actually taken that opportunity to allow the light into their life, to allow Jesus Christ into their life? And my third point was was, was asking people to, to take their responsibility to shed that light. There might be a little candle or a big candle, but they've still got the responsibility. Well, the Great Commission is go into the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. So I was encouraging people just to proactively choose somebody that they're going to go out and, and be like to this Christmas. Yeah. Whatever form that takes, but let them reveal Jesus Christ to somebody this Christmas. So I think that was a, a simple summary of the That's three right, points. Yeah. It's amazing how we can summarise our 15-minute sermons into like just three sentences. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, this passage is a fantastic passage. I mean, it's the, it introduces John's Gospel in a kind of grand scale, doesn't it? You know, it's all a big picture stuff. Uh, but let's just look at, um, we're going to just go through it verse by verse and, and see what we want to draw out of it uh, to help you understand what John is saying. Let's start uh, with uh, verse 1. So, Rob, what, what do you see in verse 1? What's key in here? Um, I don't think it's uh, by chance that John chooses to start off with in the beginning. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, obviously, we all, hopefully, all know is the first words in the Bible in, in Genesis. Yeah. You know, and in the beginning, God is the first four words in the Bible. And here we get in the beginning was the word. Yeah. And, and I think John is purposely setting that up as a, you know, a bit of poetry, a bit, a bit of a literal quirk to say, listen, God and the word. Are the same, you know. He says it throughout the next few verses, but he says it just in the first phrase. Yeah. You know, for anybody who knows the Bible, he is definitely painting this big picture. He's not talking just about Jesus in those thirty odd years that he lived. This is like Jesus on the universe, cosmic, cosmic scale, scale yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then he uses um, the word "word." Yes, which is probably confusing for a lot, a lot of people. It is. I mean, I, I, I've often thought, you know, it has, did he chicken out? Because he could have said in the beginning was Jesus Christ, but he chooses not to use the word Jesus Christ. He chooses to use the word, word the Greek word is the word logos, is the word that's used there, which we use, don't use today. There's, in fact, yeah. there's a ship called the Logos, logos. that yeah. travels yeah. around uh, the world. So why do you think he uses the word word as opposed to 
Jesus. Jesus. Uh, I think there's a number of things. Uh, so John, when he writes this, he's writing mainly to a Gentile audience. He's trying to explain Jesus to a whole bunch of different kinds of philosophies that are around at that time. And um, the word logos, the, and the, the idea of the word, is rooted in the Old Testament uh, and is often seen as, as, like if you read the book of Proverbs, it talks about wisdom, as the same kind of idea there, uh, where wisdom is personified. Uh, but in the Gentile world, there's particularly uh, Stoicism, which had this idea of reason as the ruler of the universe. Uh, and again, they would use similar kinds of ideas and words as word or logos. So I think John is connecting two things. He's connecting the Old Testament and he's con connecting his contemporary philosophical context and bringing them all together and saying, look, Jesus is everything that the Old Testament was talking about and everything the Stoic philosophers were talking about, it can all be found in the person of Jesus, not an abstract idea, mm. but the person of Jesus. Uh, so I think there's a, I think he's, he's writing this almost as a, an evangelistic tract for those kind of ideas. I'm not sure at this point, but I think also in the New Testament, uh, wisdom or Sophia is the name it's often given to is often linked with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And we know back in Genesis we're told that the Spirit hovered over the waters. So the Holy Spirit is linked to creation. The Trinity is linked in Genesis 1. And, and instead of using Jesus here, but using the Word, also brings in the idea of, of the, ho the awesome. Holy Spirit. So it's subtly bringing in the idea of the Trinity, which obviously is never spelled out, which we all wish it had been. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Spelled out simply. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And of course, when John writes this, the church is still trying to work out who Jesus was. Yeah. Uh, it's not yet a fully formed idea of there's the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm. Uh, there is lots of allusions to that. They are clearly on that track and quite a way down that track, um, but it's not yet been formulated as a creed, yeah. for instance. You know, no, it's, not it's, not. Like, it's not a concrete idea. So when John writes this, he is under, he's, he's speaking from points of revelation as well. Yeah. Uh, and perhaps he writes some of this stuff without fully understanding the con the the meaning of it all. Well, we, we believe he's inspired by God, so you know the, the, yeah. his thoughts. So he wouldn't be questioning deeply if if he believes God told him to write it. He writes it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and I think you know the within that first verse, it, it talks about the word was with God and was God, and and that sets up almost two conflicting ideas, doesn't yeah. it? You know that the word. Was, was with God, alongside God, and so there's a relationship, and, yeah. uh, and the word is quite an intimate relationship. Uh, but then also was God. And so he's still kind of get, get he's working out this idea of Jesus as part of the whole Godhead. Yeah. Uh, so he's with him and part of him, and same thing, and but separate, and yeah. yeah. It, was, it was mind blowing for them as it was, <laughs> as it still is for you us. You can see yeah. why the Trinity still causes the church problems yeah, trying yeah. to explain it. That's right. <laughs> And so it goes on then to verse 2, which says something very similar, uh, but just making the point that he was with God in the beginning. Yeah. And I think there he's pointing out something important, that Jesus was there before time began. Yeah. You know, the, the infinite nature of him. What do you make of verse 3, Rob? Well, I touched on that on my sermon. It's a very profound verse. It's a, it's a verse that would cause... cause uh, 
other religions that believe in, in uh, God, you know, Islam or, or Judaism, massive issues. Because it says all things were made by him and without him wasn't anything made that was made. It's saying Jesus Christ is an intrinsic to our life and, and to, to life full stop, which is a massive thing to say. Uh, and as, as I touched on, we'll come back to verse 9, you know, if you look at that, that every person that, that, that only lives is born, only have life because of Jesus Christ. So it's a massive, massive statement Huge. to put out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And again, is, is effectively reiterating who Jesus is. Because if Genesis says God created, yeah. and then here's Jesus as you know, the one through whom all things were made, he's making a huge statement about yeah. who Jesus is. And it'd been massively controversial. I mean, it'd have been hated by the Jews for saying that. Who would, would completely get what he's saying there? Yeah. They wouldn't be confused about, you know, does this word refer to Jesus Christ? It was, I mean, we, we, verse four and five. He says that I, I was here. You know, I'm not the light, but I'm here. You know, I was here to to shine light on the light. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so everybody knew exactly who he's talking about. So it had been massively, you know, controversial to to, to say yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, in verse four. Uh, John brings in the idea that we you basically spoke on about uh, light. What, what do you make of verse four? Yeah, well, that, that's I just touched on that before. I mean, it's, it's a profound statement that, that that Christ's light is life. It's the life for us, the life of men. You know, men looking at androgynously, you know, mankind. You know, that, that we have life. I, I, I was chatting uh, this week to, to my daughter Bethany and said, isn't it amazing how the body just keeps on working? You don't think about it, but the heart just keeps on beating. You don't think about it, but the diaphragm keeps on doing that. You know, we have, and that's life. Yeah. How, how does it do that? Well, and a non-biological reason is it's because of Jesus Christ. You know, we have life because of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if any uh, medical expert could explain how enough the diaphragm just keeps on doing it, but it does, and that's life. But a spiritual answer is it's because of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. And you know, the, the point here as well is that, that probably John wouldn't have known uh, what we now know is that actually life doesn't exist without light. You know, in the universe, it is yeah. harder for life to exist the further away it is from a star or sun. And um, light is needed for life. Yeah. And life is a huge theme within John's Gospel. You know, it's all the way through. Uh, you know, and the very first verse I memorized was John 10, 10. Oh, I love that, my favorite yeah, verse. Yeah. Go uh, and look it up. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, that Jesus came that we may have life and life in abundance, life yeah. in all its fullness. And, and right here, the beginning of his Gospel, he talks about life. And all the way through, we, we see that life just comes from Jesus. Yeah. Nowhere else. And, and that's not just human life. I mean, you'll, you, if you look at plant life, you know, you, you know if you look at, look at how chloroform works and all that kind of stuff, you know, all plants need, need life. And we work in tandem with that. It's, you know, the, the, the light comes in and without getting very technical, you know, they, they use carbon dioxide and bring out oxygen because of light. Yeah. And we need that oxygen to, to live, but it's because of the light that, that the plants yeah. will do it all. And you, you did quite a bit of research on, on light and, <laughs> you, and darkness. Uh, and so verse five uh, says, you know, the light shines in the darkness and darkness has not overcome it or understood it, depending on what version you're reading. Um, and so what is darkness? 
just reminds everyone. Darkness is just the absence of light. It's, it's not a thing in itself. You know, it, the Bible minimizes darkness. It sometimes draws comparison to the darkness with the devil, and I like that, because darkness is nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's nothing to be scared of. It's just nothing. It's just the absence of light. That's right. I think, you know, the, I think one of the points that John's making here is that, uh, that light is the presence of God in Christ, mm. and darkness is the absence of Christ. Um, and for those who are walking in darkness in Isaiah 9, you know, they need to see this great light, which is Jesus. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I was brought up without going to church, without knowing about Jesus. Uh, and I was walking in darkness because I did not understand anything about Jesus. Mm. Um, but you also made the point that there's no way that darkness can overtake light. No. It's, it, that's impossible. And a tiny, you know, a, a tiny bit, you, you can't get a light that's small enough. If it's light, it will, it will dispel darkness. Simple as that. You, you try and find any light that's so small it will not dispel darkness. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah. And then verses uh, 6, 7 and 8 are all already about uh, John the Baptist. Yeah. Which is uh, the introduction that John has to John the Baptist. Um, and he makes you know, some important points about John the Baptist. You know, he was sent by God. Uh, but he himself wasn't the light, he wasn't the Messiah, he only came to point to the Messiah, uh, to te te testify about him. Um, anything you want to bring up about John the Baptist? About John the Baptist, I can say about John. He was an extraordinary man, John, John the Baptist, an extraordinary driven man, mm. uh, unusual. It's really good in that respect. Yeah, I don't get the impression that John the Baptist was a very likeable man. Uh, he, uh, and not, not that he was purposely yeah. uh, annoying, but his lifestyle that he chose would have irritated many people because he, he was very driven and, and chose to do things very differently. He wasn't a, a, a hermit, but he was in some ways, he, he stayed out from society, he didn't mix it in society as much as, as uh, we, we do today. So he's an unusual character, but a character anointed with, mm. from God. Yeah. Uh, and with a profound message, a very driven man with a very particular message. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then let's move on to the uh, final verse that you got very excited about. Yeah. Do you want to explain why you got excited about it? I just found it so that the final verse, if, you, if you've if you've listened to to the the, the, the sermon, you, you'll you'll know where we're coming from there. There's just uh, not confusion. The, Specialists can, you know, there's words that change meanings and sometimes there's words that are not there in the Greek and we have to assume in English what word is going to, going to fill, fill that gap. And basically in verse 9, you can either say that it was, uh, it was Jesus who was coming into the world, uh, the, the light coming into the world, or it was every human being coming into the world because of Jesus. Uh, and the, but the second one to me, they, they both fit with the passage, but the second one fits with just previous verses that, that, we, that every human being only has life because of Jesus. You know, we come into life because of Jesus, which is a, a, a very humbling thing, but a very challenging thing. And obviously it's controversial if you're somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus and doesn't think we mm -hmm. have life because of that. But the Bible... I think it's pretty black and white, not just in that verse, you, holistically wise, you yeah. know, where, you know, in him was life and that life was the light of the world, you know, as earlier on, John 10 verse 10, I've come to have life and have it in abundance and the best life possible. The Bible's pretty clear, but this is, I think, clear as well, that every human being only has life because of Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. 
So uh, a passage like this is full of abstract ideas, isn't it? Mm. Uh, but the important thing about reading scripture isn't just that we get new knowledge, but that we apply that knowledge. So mm. we're going to think now about how we apply uh, this passage to our lives in a very practical way. At least we're going to attempt to. So let's go a little bit wider. So, uh, what do you want to say about how we apply this passage to our lives and make it practical in some way? Right. Um, for me, I, it's interesting that the, the Bible is a living document and you can come to it at different times and you can get different things from exactly the same passage. As I was looking at it this time, what really jumped out to me, probably because it's 2020, or definitely because it's 2020, and it's definitely... It's only year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with what we've all lived through, yeah. was for me, it was the, the word fear and, and not living in fear. And I feel that as, as individuals and as society and as families, you know, we can be fearful of COVID, and we can be fearful of the cure for COVID, we can be fearful of the vaccine, we can be fearful of, of mixing with people, and we can be fearful of being on our own. And, and, and this fear can, it can cripple us. It, it, can, it can stop us having abundant life, as we just touched on before. So for me, the, the primary application that I got this time from this passage was wanting to encourage people to, to allow this passage, to allow, give, get confidence from this passage, that wherever we are, We've got that security of Jesus, his light, his warmth. I mentioned in the sermon, 1 Peter 5, verse 7, about just, just casting out our concerns, our anxieties, our angst on Jesus and letting him take them, letting him carry them and having security and peace. But that's hard to do. We're, I think as humans, we sometimes do that and then just take it back up again 10 minutes later. To, to, to actually, I think I said consciously or proactively in my sermon, say, okay, no, I'm going to leave this on Jesus' shoulder. I am not going to be uh, afraid. I was taught once that, that fear stands for false evidence appearing real. Yeah. No, it's not what it stands for. It's a nice little thing to think about. And we, and we can start believing a whole lot of media, a whole lot of hype, our, our own you know, human consciousness and think, no, but no, that's not right. That is not right. The truth is, you know, I can do all things through, mm -hmm. through him who... What is that last word of that verse? I can do all things through him. Who look it up yourself? Yeah, Someone yeah. like comforts me or supports yeah, me or gone uh, blank on that. Yeah, one. I can do all things through him. Yeah, don't surprise me with things like that. <laughs> yeah. So I want to encourage you this, this morning, you know, as you or whenever you're looking at this video, just to have that security of knowing that we have Christ. You have His light. You have His warmth, and take that comfort and allow it to rest heavy on your heart and your soul and your mind. Mm. And that relates to the whole idea of Jesus being our life, doesn't it? Really? Mm. Because uh, strengthens me. Yes, there we go. You got there in the end. Because uh, if Jesus is our life, uh, what's actually mean? It doesn't just mean he gives us the breath that we breathe, that we have existence. When John 10, in John 10, 10, that's, that's about a quality of life, isn't it? Categorically. It's not about a length of time or just the existence of life. It's about quality of life. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that's common right now is, you know, you've talked about fear, anxiety, uh, and people realising that maybe their happiness was rooted in all sorts of things that actually they realised don't make them happy anymore. I was hearing the other day on, on the news there's a, a school that has now a happiness teacher. Yeah, I saw that as well. Wow, that's, that's just like weird, isn't it? I thought kids should just be happy. And um, 
the, the thing about this passage that I like is that if you are rooted in Christ and your life comes from Christ, not from other things, and it's easy for our life to come from other things, mm-hmm. that we get some kind of enjoyment and quality of life from going on holiday and all those kind of things. You know, my, my mother-in-law lives to go on holiday. That's what she exists for, you know. Uh, but that will let you down. All that stops at some point. Whatever quality they give to our lives is only temporary. Uh, if we're rooted in Christ, if our life comes from, from Him, then the quality of our life is eternal. Yeah. And I think that's, the, that's, the, that's where we need to focus on Jesus more than anything else. And we have lots of distractions in this world, don't we? To... Well, it's interesting that the, the first half of the first phrase in John 10, 10 says the thief, you know, the devil comes to steal and destroy life or to steal and crush life. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, you see so many people living crushed lives, uh, uh, unfulfilled lives, because they believe the lie, they believe yeah. that the you know that, that that voice that says you're useless, you're worthless, mm-hmm. you can't do that, you can't achieve that, yeah. you, you're not worthy, you're not special, all, all these things, and you hear it from teachers, from parents, from siblings, but more often than not, you hear it from yourself. That's right. You know, yeah. And, yeah. and we 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 listen to the lie, we don't listen to the truth of Jesus Christ, who never says these things about us. No. You know, he says we're fantastic, and you should be an abundant life. Yeah. I'm really sorry to cut in, but uh, unfortunately, for some reason, uh, the recording stopped there. And even though we had another five, six minutes left of uh, Deeper, uh, that's all that was recorded. So I'm going to fill in on the bits that you missed. Uh, so uh, I started to then talk about uh, the power of words. Here is uh, Jesus, the word, the logos. And of course, we're reminded throughout this passage that uh, in the beginning, God spoke, and it was his, his words that created things. And so we're reminded of the power of God's words. God's words over you, perhaps. Maybe you feel like God's given you a promise, uh, or God has spoken some words of affirmation to you. You've got to understand just how powerful those words are. They are deeply powerful and can totally, radically change your life. But also we need to think about the power of our own words because we are made in the likeness of Christ. Now, the way we communicate is incredibly powerful. And how we speak to people and about people has the power to build them up or to knock them down. And so for me, when I think about this passage in Jesus being the word, how am I expressing something of his life through my words? Because Jesus built people up. He confronted sin, he did all those things, but his aim was to build people up. And so how are my words building people up? And of course, then that leads us into a point that Rob went on to make, that actually, you know, we are all called to share the truth of Christ through our actions and also through our words. We can't simply rely on just our actions. And to some extent, we can't rely on just our words because our life needs to match up to our words. And so it's important here that we take the challenge. You know, John was called to testify to the coming of Jesus. We are called to testify about the coming of Christ into our life. And so there's a challenge here for us, isn't it, to think about how we speak about people generally, how we build them up, but how we then use our words to tell them about this Jesus who is the light 
and the life of the world. And so we're going to stop here and then just uh, give you some questions to think about. So uh, we're going to go a bit further. So here's some questions for you to think about in your groups uh, or on your own privately as a time of reflection. Uh, and the first one is this. Uh, as you look at this passage as a whole, right at the beginning of John's Gospel, what do you think John's intention was by opening in this way? What's he trying to do? Why doesn't he just focus on Jesus' birth, for instance? So that's the first question to think about. Uh, the second question is this. In what way is Jesus light in your life? How is he shining his light on your life right now? Is he uh, trying to reveal something to you? How does him being light help you? That's the second question. Uh, the third question is this. Where in your life is there still some shadow or darkness? We all have them, don't we? Those parts of our life that we quite haven't allowed into the light yet. Uh, areas of our life that we still need to deal with. Where are the areas of shadow or darkness in your life right now? And what are you going to do about it? Because that's the most important bit, isn't it? What are you going to do about it? And the final question is this. How are you going to take on board the, the importance of sharing through our words what Jesus means to us? What Jesus has done for us? Who do you need to go to to tell them about Jesus? And again, we all have those people. Who are they for you? So there's just four questions for you to think about. Uh, this is actually going to be the, the last deeper of this year. We're not going to do one next week. Uh, it's the run up to Christmas. I'm sure there's lots to, to sort out for all of us. Uh, so we'll be starting again in the new year. So if I don't get to see you, have a great Christmas. And uh, I hope to be able to see you at some point in the new year as hopefully restrictions start to get uh, lifted again. So do please join in then. If not, uh, it'd be great to see you at some of our Christmas events. And uh, at the end of this video, there is a list of all our Christmas events, but I would encourage you to go onto our website. It has more information about all of them there, uh, but it'd be great to see you at any of them. So take care now. God bless.